0: And I'm Allie. And it's about About time for true crime. Hey. Hey. (laughs) How are you? Oh, just lovely. Love and life. I have to tell you guys that Abby and I were just talking about how this is the first time we've actually sat and recorded in jeans. Yep.
1: And it's a hard pants kind of day.
0: This is different. Yeah. Um, So we're
1: easing into it. I kind of hope this helps with the chair squeaking, though. Potentially. I wonder if I'm going to be like so stiff that I can't shift
0: around enough to make to the squeak chair go, the chair. Eh, eh, yeah. Eh, eh. I kind of think that's like the hallmark of the pod, though, is the squeaky chair in the back. Well,
1: we it might either my get cat a new meowing.
0: one. It's all that. That's true. Oh, do you remember when Mia broke the
1: little plant vase while you <laughs> we were recording? Yes. What a cutie. She's such a shit.
0: I love her so much. But how's your week? How are you doing? What a week. What a week indeed. It was a force. What a week. We're recording on a Friday.
1: Also different. But hey, happy Tuesday but yes, to you.
0: Happy Tuesday. Happy Friday for us. Of course. We and hope it comes quick this week. Slash whenever it is that you listen to this. Oh, yeah. Happy day. Just happy, happy day or night. Yeah. Happy, Just happy. Happy time. Just happy. Living. Happy enjoy the next
1: hour of brutal, gruesome murders.
0: Oh yeah, that's where we're heading today. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that. In fact, I did just want to do another check in on how your um, weird coworker is doing. They still smell because okay. mine actually finally
1: got a new perfume. It smells so good. You
0: asshole. Because <laughs> my weird coworkers in my living room, and that's going to make today's case really awkward. I'm literally in your
1: kitchen. Get it right. Oh my god! Did I say living room? Yes, you did. And also, I have to say, frankly, I love your new perfume, but that's just because I also have that perfume. I'm
0: sorry.
1: (laughs) Allie, the other day, we were like out and about, she goes, I found a new perfume I have to show you. And I'm
0: like, yes, I know. (laughs) I have like three of these. I showed it to her and I'm like, I found this scent. I did not know that I was going to like it. I ordered it from Alta, and I was like, eh, F it. Yeah, will give it a shot you know the worst i can return right. it you know if i hate it or whatever and i was like oh no this is really good so i pull abby aside i was like look at this if you need a perfume i recommend this one she's like goes into her bag pulls hers out she's like <laughs> and? and i'm like oh my god <laughs> that's just kind of how we do that's though. just yeah Yeah, All right we've just shared the same brain cells that just bounce off each other and and it's kind of
1: insane. Like, originally at first it was definitely a joke. And now I'm like, okay, really? Like, we matched two or three days this week not mm-hmm. planning on it. In fact, we don't talk about what we're wearing unless one of us is like, are we looking cute?
0: <laughs> no, yeah. Typically it's like, or are we looking like we rolled out of bed?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like cute or grungy, that's it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, do I have to shower for this? I got two looks. And That's it. That's it. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, what a week. Honestly, I'm a little bit spent, but I'm, like, very excited to get into some true crime. Yes. It has just been a busy two weeks. Obviously, my friend Mackenzie visited, we talked about, but then also my dad visited, which is really know. nice.
0: Mr. Abel Mr.
1: Abble Dabbleson. And that was really fun, but it does mean that today I'm quite sleepy. So I'm excited for this to wake me up and get me in the true crime mood spirit
0: well we're actually talking about co-workers today you didn't you made a whole one about me yeah just call me billy no i'm
1: just kidding (laughs) should i be like watching my back for the next few weeks Um,
0: or absolutely oh sensual okay (laughs) (laughs) no today i did actually just come across like I don't know, the thought, the idea I saw an art- article about? An article. An article. I read a fucking article about it, and I figured, what the fuck, you know? We'll fucking <laughs> do it. Um, <laughs> Buc- but a. I did see something about, like, coworker crime or whatever, and then my mind immediately went to the Lululemon
1: yes, one, which I, is not
0: what we're covering today. Okay. But that's something that is, like, on the docket for me in my mind. Okay. Of just thinking of that weird sort of relationship. But instead, I happened upon this case that i had never heard of okay and i don't feel like you've heard of it okay because when i say domino's pizza murders yeah you had no reaction so you don't know what
1: i think is
0: no this is patrick yeah (laughs) (laughs) well let's just welcome our listeners back to their favorite true crime podcast Uh,
1: you guys you didn't have to say that before we started, though, if you did just want to, like, review, subscribe, rate,
0: all that good stuff, you totally did. good, we'd love that so much. But thanks for calling us your favorite. Welcome back. Oh, wait, real quick. Hold on. I might have lied, because I have oh. to say that I was <laughs> laughing so hard. We got so many messages and emails about your big feet.
1: Oh, my gosh, you guys. Okay, I'm so glad <laughs> I could hashtag represent for the big feet girlies, but, like... That was so funny. It honestly had me in tears.
0: (laughs) I think the funny thing is, is Abby and I are on like, you don't even, your feet aren't even that, come on, your feet are not even that big, but I can understand being young and having that, like you needing to grow into them. Yes. I feel like that makes sense. But we're on, like, different ends of that spectrum. Like, I'm sitting pretty at, like, a five and a half, six, where all I want to wear is heels. And guess what they don't make? Heels in kid sizes. Yeah. So, I struggle to find shoes. Abby and her big old feet (laughs) struggle to find shoes. So, it's like, if you're a size seven or eight, what is it like to be God's favorite?
1: Yeah. How does... How does that feel? How are your cute ass sandals and also heels and also wedges and appropriate footwear for every
0: fucking occasion? Cause you can just have them. You can just walk into a store and wow, they have your size. My shoe, if I find it, is always the display that's been like thrown <laughs> on the ground, <laughs> stretched, fucking spat on, whatever else they can, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you always get one raggedy ass one and one that's brand new that smells <laughs> like a new shoe and it's just not worth it. So we're on different ends of it, but there's a there's a struggle, all right? It It is true. There is a struggle. But I love all the people coming together like, I'm with you, Abby. I've got big feet. I'm like, yes, bitch. Yes. I will say
1: the funniest thing slash the hardest like toxic femininity thing I had to get over <laughs> was having bigger feet than my partner. And I was like, it's OK. It's OK. <laughs> yeah, you can't control that. I know. They're just my big old feet. I love your big old feet. I'm proof that Bigfoot exists.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a believer. So all of you guys that skip through the intro, chill. Yoo-hoo. We're here. We're starting. Listen up. Hi. Hi. Hey. And we're going to get into it today. So today we're going to be covering what a lot of people call the Domino's Pizza Murders. Ooh, okay. Um, so... If you guys clicked on this, you already know that, but I figured Abby should know. Yeah, it's nice to be on the same page. So let's jump into it. We're going to go back to some more traditional true crime cases. I feel like with our CJ short and everything, we Mm -hmm. like took a little break from that. So we are back in it. Back in the groove. Down to business. Hell yeah. So we're going to be talking about a case in which three men are murdered. Okay. But not just any three men. All three of these victims were actually employees of Domino's Pizza.
1: Oh. Were any of them Patrick? No. Oh. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, this is Patrick. No. Please know that since researching this case, I have gotten every single targeted ad (laughs) you can have for (laughs) Domino's. I know about their 20% off coupons, how you can sign up for their rewards and get a free fucking pizza someday, maybe in like 10 years. No, this isn't sponsored, but it sure as shit should be with how many ads I have from them and pretty much every like fast food slash. Yeah. Because all I was typing in was Domino's pizza, like things like that. And it's like free, hot and ready or whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever their slogan is.
1: Domino's pizza is Is the the
0: pizza pizza for Atftc. <laughs> hey, that was good. <sighs> oh, that took me back. Anyway, so all of that to say, I did this for you guys because now <laughs> I can't go on anything at all without seeing that.
1: That was really selfless of you. Thank
0: you. Yeah. More importantly, though, yes, three men lost their lives by no fault of their own. Well, shit. They had no animosity or malice. They were not aggressive. There was no ill will aimed at somebody. They were just simply in the wrong place at the wrong time and had the misfortune of being in the same vicinity of today's piece of dog shit.
1: It's not like a
0: like a Pizza Hut employee, is it? <laughs> no. Okay. No. All Domino's employees. Wow. So to get where we're going, we got to start from the beginning. Okay. So we're going to talk about the pathetic life of Mitchell Sims. Okay. Or as he liked to call himself, the human ashtray. I'll take it. That feels fitting. And this wasn't a code name. It wasn't a stage name. It wasn't something he just thought was funny, so he called himself it. He literally used to put cigarettes out on his own chest and was like, "Ah, oh, that makes me an ashtray. Like, do you know how often you need to do something to be known as, like, the human ashtray guy? Also, like, for what, though? That's, that's, we all... There's a lot of questions here, Apple Dabbles. Okay, all right. The list begins. And know that this was like a badge of honor for him. Like, this I wasn't am... something he was pissed about. He's like, yeah, this is what I do. And he just, he, I don't know, got pleasure out of being hurt, I guess. Imagine. Okay, so he's a masochist. But mm-hmm. imagine mm-hmm. with
1: me for a moment, the Avengers with an added no ashtray. No. <laughs> no. Ugh. He's the guy they test out all their new stuff on. (laughs) Oh,
0: well, honestly, I kind of wish they would because he's a piece of shit. Okay. So Mitchell Carlton Sims, and we're going to go back and forth between Mitch and Mitchell. Okay. He was born in 1960 to his mother, Mildred, and a father who there is pretty much no record of because he really wasn't involved. But okay, Mildred is a cute name. Oh, yeah. Keep going. Okay. Definitely. Very sweet name. Dad wasn't really involved. He was kind of in and out. So... Groovy. Because of this, Mildred was pretty much raising her three kids on her own. Okay. But then she met and married a man named Arnold. Arnold. Now, Mitchell's siblings recall Arnold as being very violent, very abusive, not a great guy at all. He abused Mildred, so he would hurt their mom in front of them, and then he did not spare the kids from that either he would hurt them too the siblings actually even later confirmed that mitch's childhood was one of severe emotional sexual and physical abuse bill runyon who spoiler alert would later become one of mitchell's defense attorneys said that by the age of 14 mitch was an alcoholic holy shit just to try to not feel what he had to deal with at home it came out later that his stepfather had forced his siblings to have sex with each other.
1: Oh. Their
0: mother and him. Well, we're just throwing it all out there, huh? It's- I mean, That sucks. The horrific way this kid was brought up Ugh. could make you cry. Yeah. To know that that was going on behind closed doors and no one, no one saved him. No one helped him. No one protected him. And he was a kid. Mm. That being said- no excuse for what he does later.
1: Absolutely not. I mean, you feel for the kid. It's the adult's responsibility. But like, what a what a shitty way to be brought into this world.
0: It's like he didn't have a chance. No, no. he had none. So to say that this was like a hellish childhood would be a gross understatement. Mm-hmm. And because of that, growing up, he had wanted to get out of there. Growing up, mm-hmm. Mitch had been accustomed to pain, fear, and anger. All of this was just normal to him. Yeah. He didn't think twice about it, all of these things. It it just, I think he thought every kid just grew up like that. Right, because when you're a kid, that's all you
1: know. You think it's normal.
0: So he had nothing in the way of like coping strategies or mechanisms or any kind of emotional regulation. Just he would feel rage. He would feel fear. And he would feel just anger, and he would just take that out on anybody that was around him. And he actually would just sort of abuse the substances that he could find around him just to put a little bit of distance between himself and all of those awful emotions. Poor guy. One source even noted that he had joined the military as soon as he was 18, even though he hated authority. And he did this only to put distance between himself and his stepdad. I get that. He would rather go where they're going to tell him what to do, even though he's just grown up being, like, forced to do things he didn't want to do. Right. And he was not one of those people where this authority was going to be good and beneficial for him, and it was, like, a kick in the pants to get him up and focused and to do good things. He fought it every step of the way, even (laughs) though he chose to go into it. Now, his time in the military did not last long. That sounds right. And that's because not long after joining, Mitch began sleeping with an officer's wife. What? And then he devised a plan to sort of frame this other officer for a crime that he was going to stage. Bitch! So Mitch's idea was he was going to approach one of his friends, ask his friend to shoot him, not kill him, but like to, yeah, shoot injure the, him. Shoot the leg, shoot a Yeah, foot. like a little flesh wound, if you will. It is but a flesh wound. Mm-hmm. And... Then he was going to say that the officer had caught him with his wife and he shot him. So he was going to frame it to make it look like this officer attempted to kill him. Oh. Even though it was just his friend. Because in his mind, if the officer was out of the way, he could run away with the wife. To quote
1: a great philosopher, Mm -hmm. Hermione Granger. Yep. What an idiot. (laughs) 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 Yes. I can't. How dumb is that? You're he could the- have
0: been killed or worse, expelled.
1: Exactly. I'm going to bed before either of you two get any more idiotic ideas. Like, <laughs> he's in the military. Does he not think that they are trained to shoot their target first of all? Like, just first, if it's an officer and he shoots
0: to kill you, you're dead. All of that aside second adultery is very frowned upon in the, not to say that it doesn't happen a lot in the military it certainly can like in all right. things but it's a big no-no to be step outside of your marriage especially he, like mitch was in the wrong and the military sees it that way anyway so whether he tried to shoot you or not like this, this isn't this ain't great <laughs> these aren't good grounds for you bud
1: uh, oh no okay so what happens
0: so it didn't work okay well good <laughs> so he did get expelled if you will he got dishonorably I- dis- dishonorably discharged <laughs> <sighs> he got dishonorably discharged and had to spend like a year or two in a military jail prison what? slash thing because Nuts. it was so frowned upon but he actually did get shot so the plan went as far as getting shot, and then they saw right through it when he was like, no, it was him. I was like, my guy. My guy. What so, an idiot. Then he gets out of prison, and okay. he goes back to the only other place he's known, which is his hometown. Sure. He's feeling worse off than he did before. Good. He's been dishonorably discharged from the military, which was like what he thought was his one shot out of there. Right. He's 20 years old. He's got a violent temper oh my God. and a taste for alcohol. And he says to himself, he goes, self, I know what will make this better. I'm going to get married.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a really fruitful and healthy, productive marriage.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that it wasn't. He <laughs> marries a nice enough girl named Teresa. Teresa okay. was only 16 at the time and he's what? 20.
1: But So wait, this is 1980? He was born in 1960? Yep. Okay. Damn. 16-year-olds mm-hmm. getting married in the
0: 80s? Yeah. Child, bride. Okay, go on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think all her parents had to do was just sign off, but yeah. And um, for whatever reason, she actually really cared about him. Okay. And she cared about him so much that she actually made three other people with him.
1: What? That's a lot of
0: procreation. That's, that's a lot of that. Yeah. And... He started to get his shit together. He started to smarten up. Okay. After having worked several odd jobs that he really couldn't seem to keep, Mitch actually wound up working as a manager at a Domino's Pizza in Columbia, South Carolina. Domino's. And we're fast forwarding a few years here to January of 1985.
1: Okay. I was going to say, I knew there had to be at least three. Yep. Ish. Because three Mm -hmm. kids. But okay. So we're in 85.
0: We are. And he's got the three babies at home. Okay. He had been in and out of jobs, struggling with stuff. He lands this job. He'd been doing well. He got promoted to to the Domino's management position. Okay. He actually showed up to work. He made a name for himself. And no matter where you work, having any kind of management experience is super valuable. Right. So... Not that I think he'd get back into the military or anything, but even if he didn't see this as his career, he could still do something with that later. Oh, absolutely. And things actually started to look up. He paid his bills. The kids were taken care of and fed. Teresa could stay home and take care of them, which she wanted to do.
1: Nice. They had
0: a roof over their head. They had all the things that they needed. He was drinking less. He was like taking care of shit. That sounds like a period of growth. Doesn't it? Yeah. Then, for some reason, he and his boss had a bit of a tiff. And I don't know what it was about. I couldn't find anything about what the argument entailed. But for whatever reason, him and the manager above him who decided bonuses Mm -hmm. had an argument. Okay. I don't know if it was like a professional thing where he was scolded because he really wasn't that great. Okay. But regardless, his bonus ended up getting cut. So he didn't get as much money as he was expecting. And because of this, he freaked out. Okay. And instead of handling it professionally, he had, like, a meltdown. Okay. And after this, he tried to stage a bit of, like, a strike within the store. He tried to recruit the other coworkers to basically quit. Okay. On his, like, basically on his behalf, like, for him in solidarity because he didn't get the bonus he thought was owed to him. He still got a bonus. It was just... smaller to my understanding yeah all right but with his violent temper and -hmm. everything like that i'm sure he probably skated and they were like listen we're not going to fire you but you're not getting this bonus for great work when you you know he probably yelled at a customer or something i mean we don't know (laughs)
1: merit-based
0: no yeah yeah so the co-workers probably thinking that he was always such an asshole and like deserved the bonus to be cut they did not quit their jobs because he asked them to.
1: They're like, oh, buddy, you're sad you got less money. Let me stop
0: making any. And that stuck a stick right up his ass because he feels like not only does my manager like hate me or whatever, or like he's out to get me. My coworkers are out to get me. So everyone's out to get me
1: boo-hoo so then
0: he filed a formal complaint against the company so this went to like headquarters not only did he not get the result that he wanted he didn't get any answer at all he sends the complaint and he gets crickets back so now he's like even more pissed because even they're not listening to him little baby's sad so then he freaks out he's pissed off for like the third time now all Mm -hmm. in this one situation and he just decides to quit his job altogether Well, that's not more good. (laughs) Nope. So he goes back to working like these odd jobs under the table, but the money wasn't sustainable for a family of five, obviously. Okay. He'd get these weird jobs and then not keep them. It was inconsistent. He was back to drinking more. His temper was right back up there. I mean, not that it had gone away, but he'd had responsibilities and cared about them. So it kind of... Tempered the temper, if you will. Right, of course. That all went to the wayside. He's back on his bullshit of being an asshole. Ugh, Mitch. And now he's messing around on Teresa. Don't mm. so he had actually started sleeping with a coworker from Domino's. A co worker or an employee? Because he was in a managerial
1: position, yeah?
0: I mean, if I had to guess an employee. Ugh.
1: that makes me really mad but okay
0: but he's sleeping with her messing around super professional super ethical and then of mm-hmm. course you know he's not working there anymore so i think that kind of falls apart and then they him and teresa can't really afford their bills like they had and so that marriage sort of starts to bend under the weight of that financial stress and yeah, she kind of became frustrated because she knows that he was capable if he tried, right, to work full time and fucking put food on the table. You know, she's she's child rearing, of course, and he's, she's got three. And the agreement is that he provides, and he's spending his money on like alcohol and I don't know whatever drugs he can find, and she's Ugh. gonna worry about you know three other mouths to feed. So they're having a very rough time in their marriage to say the least and he ended up beginning an affair with another woman Ugh, this time okay. with 19 year old ruby what? badgett how old's is he mm, 25 at this time she's 19 That's still uncomfy so let's talk about ruby yeah ruby had run away from home after a pretty tough childhood Growing up, she had witnessed her dad verbally and physically abuse her mom. Her mom would be injured sometimes so severely that she'd have to be hospitalized for a few days and then she'd come home. Ugh. They'd, you know, play house again. Dad would beat right. the mom up again and the cycle would sort of continue. As it goes. Her parents used a lot of drugs. They used a lot of drugs in front of her and they, tro- they chose drugs over her. So she was neglected to say the least. And who knows what other horrors sort of lurked there. Um, but they did not provide any kind of stability for a child to grow (sighs) up in. Yeah, She grew up traumatized and scared, and she really only felt worthy of the so-called love that she had seen from her parents, love that relied heavily on abuse and drugs. So she ran away from home at 16, and she also began using drugs and alcohol as her parents did, and then she looked for comfort in the arms of much older men. Hmm. Freud would have loved her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at 19, she met Mitchell Sims, who she instantly began a relationship with. Okay. So Mitchell left Teresa and his three kids to be with Ruby. They what, He fully left? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeeted right out of there. Holy hell. Okay. Um, Great job, guy. And relocated to a different town um, in a dingy trailer. Ooh, step up. Where he wasted his days and Ruby... Let's let's not pretend she wasn't also doing this. But they wasted their days together pretty much using whatever drugs they could find. They would steal to try to get money to get more drugs. They would start selling drugs. They would do whatever they could besides really the right thing. Mm -hmm. And the bills began to pile up again. And soon financial stress was impacting this relationship too. So there's a theme here. Oh, fascinating. And Mitch wasn't really working. Again, the money they had went to drugs, and then there wasn't anything left over. So for anything else, he had to go steal it. So in November of 1985, so we're fast forwarding 11 months here, Mitch realized this whole, like, not working a real job thing wasn't cutting it, and he reapplied to work at Domino's. Shocked that he put those two together, but happy that he
1: did. Mm Mm-hmm. He reapplied to work at Domino's? He did,
0: but he was too prideful. He wouldn't go back to the Domino's that he had rage quit out of. So he sure. went to the location that was closer to where he lived now, okay. which is Hanahan, South Carolina. Okay. Which I was like, Hanahan? Hanahan so I looked Han it up Domino's. and I listened to people talking about it and it really is pronounced Hanahan. So I thought that that's kind of cute. I didn't it know that, but, cute. Cute. but I was like, Hanahan? Like what? <laughs> Hanahan. So... I just thought it was cute, but yeah. Hanahan, South Carolina. Domino's, Hanahan location. How can I help (laughs) (laughs) y'all? Oh my God. We're going to give everyone, like the, all the creepy technology out there is going to give everyone that listens to this Domino's ads now. Oh, I know. Domino's, 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 Domino's. (laughs) Cheese stuffed crust. I think that's only Pizza Hut. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, you traitor. Anyway. When he went I mean, back to work at Domino's, he was not in a management position. He did get, get that accepted. Straight. He did. Okay. He did. He got accepted into the University of Domino's. Pizza boy. Yeah, he got hired. But this time as a delivery driver. He's literally the pizza boy. Okay. Uh-huh. But within weeks of starting... Oh, gosh. His car broke down. Okay. And he did not have pennies to rub together to even Fix consider that. Yeah. fixing that. So... He wasn't able to keep his job because his job as the delivery driver relied on him having a car to drive the pizzas there. Right. Of course. So he's out of a job again, and this time he doesn't even have a car, and he's Mm -hmm. bitter, angry, and unemployed, and it's all catching up to him.
1: Oh, that's a really good combination of things that leads to usually
0: really good places. Correct. And with someone with severe anger issues, bad temper... Capital T trauma, probably some mental health. Oh, all of it combined. Yeah. And you throw a lot of alcohol in there and Ooh. it's not going to be good. Um, Which leads me to my next point. Oh, no. Um, If I had a slideshow, I'd like switch slides real quick. Ooh, um, next slide. So like- this frustration brings up a lot of past grievances and issues with the corporation because it seems like every time he works there, something goes to shit. And he comes to the realization that he... Does have valuable information. Sure. Because he knows how the store operates. He knows where the money's kept. He knows their schedules.
1: Well, that's not the good valuable
0: information. Okay. No, it's not. No. So this is where we're going to leave Mitch and Ruby for now. Okay. So it's early December now. Okay, Burr. Ooh. It's just after 2 a.m. Dark. An injured man covered in blood stumbles into the police station in Hanahan, South Carolina. No,
1: not 911 Hanahan location.
0: You're awful. <laughs> he had several gunshot wounds to his head well, and through his mouth. What? And he And he's walking in there. So this man is spewing blood everywhere. They're realizing how miraculous it is that he even walked through the door Right. because someone with those injuries, I mean, that's a lot of will to live. Uh-huh. That is a so, lot. They have very little time to ponder what might have happened to him. They only have time to act. But luckily with the way that this was set up, was the fire station was right next door to the police station. I think okay. they might have even like shared a wall. Like it was pretty a small area. Right. And so paramedics were with him almost immediately. That's awesome. So he was terrified, but he had such a strong will to live that he just got in his car after receiving these injuries and drove himself so he got that's insanity gets shot in the head in the face gets in his like stumbles to his car gets himself to where he believes he can be helped and walks inside the resilience of that i can't even imagine no but police were able to put some things together immediately Other than the obvious injuries, the police noticed that the victim was wearing a Domino's pizza uniform that was now covered entirely in blood, and the young man was holding basically his head and face together, keeping it together. Oh, my gosh. But he made sure that he was able to communicate that he knew who hurt him. Okay. So, the victim ended up being brought to the hospital he was accompanied by some officers so like half of them you know went with him to stick with him the other half are like okay he was in a domino's uniform let's start there yeah so they rush over lights and sirens to that domino's location in hanahan and inside they find the wallets of two men a lot of blood and a dead body Ooh. so we're gonna put a pin there and we're gonna rewind to earlier that night all right Early December 1985. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was my rewind noise. (laughs) (laughs) It's after midnight. The Domino's Pizza is closing up. Okay. Most of the staff had gone home for the night. Yeah. Because there were no more customers. It was really just, you know. Right. Closing. Cleaning cleaning up. Yeah. And the two remaining were the assistant manager, 24-year-old Gary Melky. Okay, Gary. And another employee... 24 year old christopher zare gary and chris gary and chris actually were friends outside of work they were in the navy together still active um stationed in charleston but didn't make much in the way of money and had picked up part-time jobs both at domino's together just for some extra cash and they ended up working the evening shift so i think they'd probably do whatever they had for military work in the day go work a few hours at night have some extra cash and they were working together they were friends a friendly job for some spending money. And those around them said that Gary and Chris were just solid. They were solid employees, solid people, solid friends. Yeah. They were hardworking, kind, and had very, very bright futures. That's so sweet. So at this time, a man enters the store wielding a gun and he begins giving orders. Okay. He instructs Gary Melky to open the cash registers and the safe because he's the ma- he's the manager. Yeah. And he ends up tying both men up using cord from the telephone in the store. Okay. So this was not like
1: a put your right hand in, put your right hand out kind of instructional.
0: Oh, Abby. (laughs) (laughs) So after having had Gary open all of that up and do everything, he grabs all the money in sight. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, Gary and Chris must have just been like, okay, we'll survive this. Right. This guy comes in, he wants money, he wants all of that. Once he has it, he'll leave, right? Right, of course. That's what you hope. Um, that was not the case. Well, I, I, I anticipated that from your, like, cute little foreshadowing. Thank you. But, um, yowza. So, after he secured the money, mm-hmm. this unknown man. After he secured the bag. Yep. Mm-hmm. He shot Christopher Zare in the head, oh. killing, killing him instantly. okay. Then he turned to Gary Melky and he did the same. After that, he disappeared out the door. So, taking the pin out from before, we'll revisit the crime scene as the police get to it. Okay. Police have arrived. They find Chris Dare's body bound by the telephone cord. Mm-hmm. He's been shot execution style. The registers and the safe have all been looted, totaling mm-hmm. about what they can put together around a thousand bucks. Okay. That's a...
1: It's a small takeaway for something like that.
0: And I also just want to say please make the mental note that this is 1985 and forensics was not what it is today. Of there course. wasn't anything in the vein of like collecting DNA, but they did sweep for fingerprints. Okay. The issue with that, though, is that it's a pizza shop. So there's potentially hundreds of fingerprints from all kinds of different people. So in terms of the fingerprints even though there were a lot in the present in the store they didn't really have much to go off of okay um they did find a bullet lodged in the wall that had gone through one of the victims um and with ballistic information were able to determine the kind of gun that the killer had used but other than that they did not have anything okay so as you may have put together gary Melky was the one who had stumbled into the police station the 24 year old assistant manager Oh. he had arrived at the hospital um after having you know driven himself to get help i just i can't imagine that having to hold your face and head together basically but he had such a strong will to live
1: and i think what gets me is like Both of these men were active duty. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's astounding to me that both of them can get shot in the head and it's at their freaking for fun dominoes
0: job. Yeah. Like you'd think if something, if you were to be in harm's way, it might have been
1: the harm's way that you do for most of your living. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Not the few hours a week you're spending working just for some, you know, some tip money and stuff. Putting cheese on some
1: fucking dough. Like, yeah. I mean,.
0: Damn. I'd agree with you, and I think the families would too. Anyway, sorry. So once at the hospital, some of the blood, the shattered teeth, and the bone fragments were cleared from his mouth. Okay. And he was able to speak a little bit more in in the capacity that he was able to. Right. Um, and he identified who attacked him. He said he knew who it was. It was a coworker of his who had recently been hired at the Domino's. His name is Mitchell Sims. Okay. And that is where I will leave you for part one. This is two parts? Uh, no, I'm totally kidding. Oh, my gosh. I was like, you asshole. I wouldn't do that. Um, I just needed some levity. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> um, Gary is in agony. Okay. He has, they've tried to do some surgeries on him to like help repair. Yeah. But it is not looking good. I mean, he's literally almost had his head shot off. He's clinging oh. to life but he says the name mitchell sims yeah so once they can kind of clear everything and do all their scans on him, they can find out that he's been shot in the jaw through the mouth oh he's been shot basically in the temple and at the base of his neck thrice actually he was shot four times i think two might have quatrice. Uh uh-huh i forget where the last one was it was basically the same. One of them yeah. was the same place twice. But I mean, the, the fact that he wasn't dead instantly. I mean, Christopher Zare got shot once in the perfect spot, dead. Out. He watches his very close friend die. And then he's shot four times in the head. And somehow holds all that together to fucking drive himself. Okay. And not only did he name the attacker, <sighs> yeah. but he was able to tell the sequence of events. Which is how we know so much of what happened. Okay. Um, But sadly, his injuries were too severe. And Gary Malky died after several attempts to save his life about a week later.
1: That is so
0: horrible. As awful as it is that Gary died, the awfulness is basically compounded because his testimony died with him. Right. He was the only clue, the only witness they had to what occurred. And his identification was the only thing that they could go off of. Right. So if this ever went to court, they don't have his testimony to rely on. And no surviving witnesses. Yeah. So building this case against the alleged murderer will be even more difficult. Of course. But the investigators now had a name and they acted quickly to try to find Mitchell Sims okay they started with calling the head manager like the the store manager of that Domino's, and gained access to the employee record so there was a phone number and an address on file they flooded that right away and spoke with family who said that mitch had always had a violent streak and no one knew where he was Ugh. by the time the police had tracked them down to that dingy trailer mm-hmm. and went inside they'd realized that mitchell and ruby were already on the run of course they were. They had packed up and they were they left. So they said you
1: sent... oh, go ahead just real quick mm-hmm. in case you guys were wondering because I was I did do the inflation calculator. It's not even fucking three grand in today's money that cost the lives of Christopher and Gary. Yeah. Isn't it awful. It's fucking insulting like. ugh. Yeah. No. That's OK. I hope it doesn't last long. Because it's not even three grand and they're going on the run. Well, you just hold
0: on to that.
1: Okay. All right.
0: They sent some investigators to the airport to see if they could find out if they'd boarded a plane. Okay. They sent some to train stations, seeing if maybe anybody had seen them. They distributed his photo to news outlets. They were trying to get someone to ID this guy. Okay. The entire state of South Carolina was searching for Mitchell Sims and Ruby Paget because they knew that he was with her. They were able to put that together. No one had heard from her. We don't believe she participated in these murders, but she's on the fucking run with him now. Right. And by the time they even realized who they were looking for, it was too late because Mitch and Ruby had already arrived in California. Mm. So we've gone to the other coast of the United States. What the hell? when they arrive at their motel room, they surveyed the surrounding area to find their next target. Oh. They found that a Domino's Pizza was located not far and Mitch had hatched his planned. He staked out the store. He no. kind of got a, an, a, a glimpse of what Ugh. the layout was in there and I mean, it wasn't that difficult because a lot of stores like that are set up similarly. So once you have the basic idea, you can pretty much figure out where everything's going to be. It's not a crazy maze in there. It's a chain. He had Ruby order a pizza to be delivered to their room. And this was on December 10th. So this was just a week after. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the delivery driver was 21-year-old John Harrigan. Oh. And he brought the pizza to the door, as he had with every delivery before this. Don't do it, John. Leave it off. Drop it off. As soon as he knocked on the door, the door opened. He was pulled inside. He was kicked, punched, and robbed at gunpoint. No. He was compliant. He did everything that they said, but Mitch had already decided that John Harrigan was going to die. He had accidentally left a survivor last time, even though he shot Gary Malky four times in the head. He knew that Gary lived long enough to identify him. He'd seen that on the news. Mm -hmm. So he swore he wasn't going to leave a survivor again. He wasn't going to leave anybody that could identify him.
1: Generally, I support learning from your mistakes. I don't think not the kind of growth we were looking for grasped the big picture mistake in this Mm
0: -mm. scenario.
1: I mean, progress is progress, but I don't like this kind of progress.
0: If he had just tied them up and left them, the worst that would have happened was, I don't know, a slap on the wrist, maybe a year or two or something. I mean, if he just... I mean, yeah, it's armed robbery, but you didn't hurt anybody is a big difference than murdering two people for For no fucking reason. A grand. Like, it is nothing that he probably pissed through that money oh i'm sure on drugs in a day i i was gonna say i bet it was gone by the time they fucking got to california which was why it was time to do it again right so he wasn't gonna take that chance again and mitch had decided that he didn't want to shoot john as he had with the other ones and it wasn't because he felt any kind of remorse it was none of that it was because he was in a motel and he knew the cops would get called and he didn't want to give himself away so, we fi- tried to figure out some other way he could do it where it wouldn't make any noise. Just so nobody's, like, splitting hairs over, oh, maybe he's not that bad. No. No, he wanted to kill him. So, this okay. time, he had rope that he had bought and bound his hands with the, f- with the rope, um, stuffed a sock inside John's mouth. then duct taped it shut so he couldn't breathe out of his mouth, then put a pillowcase over his head, ran the tub and drowned him in the motel bathroom tub in, like, inches of water. What the fuck? Um, yeah, what the fuck? A 21-year-old at work treating it like he had every other day with a bright future who was kind and his coworkers loved it was his last delivery of the night oh and he never left that makes me so fucking mad it should what the fuck so after john was dead Ugh. mitch took off john's uniform and he put it on oh i'm sure he did with the name tag still attached no i'm john so he took the keys to john's truck and he drove to the glendale dominoes uh once they got there they walked inside and 21 year old another 21 year old mm-hmm. cory spiroff and 41 year old ed sycam were inside they were working that night now ed was i i want to say he was a delivery driver or maybe just another staff member but whatever it is i'm pretty sure he was like oh john's not back yet so i'll stick around for a little bit longer so that you're not closing up alone since you know you know yeah john's busy so he's sticking around yeah now Corey is the assistant manager and he had started to close up the store he was totaling the money he was doing things like that um, He was getting ready to wrap up for the night. And that's when Mitchell and Ruby walk in. Mm. Corey didn't even have time to tell them that the store was closed before a gun was pulled on him. And so Corey's there with his hands up. Ed comes from around back like, oh, what's going on? Oh, he's there. Now he's got his hands up. What? And they confirm for them that nobody else is here. It's just the two of them. Don't freak out. But he tried to say, Corey said listen like take what you need to like do what you need to do take what you want i just want you to know that we've got a delivery driver out he's due back any minute when he comes in he won't hurt you he'll do what you say just don't i don't want you worried about it then oh that makes me so sad (laughs) then mitch and ruby don't seem concerned at all and instead of answering mitch takes off his sweatshirt to show that the dominoes uniform shirt that he had on still had john's name tag on it and he said yeah i don't think that's gonna be a a concern of mine oh what a bitch okay so Corey and ed were sort of like pushed up against this wall in order to turn around so they were facing the wall so their backs were to ruby and mitch yeah that makes sense okay so ruby is holding this long knife on them robs them okay has them put like all the money into i don't know whatever bag they had with them or something so they've looted it the same way they did last time right in the big burlap sack with the money bag symbol yep yeah like on a stick that they hold over their shoulder oh yeah. very
1: hobo chic Mm -hmm.
0: thank you so they're thinking the same thing okay they've got what they came here for but why are we lined up like this They've got the money, they can just leave. Right. No. And it was at that time that they were pretty much certain they were about to die. But, almost with perfect timing, a voice from the front of the store calls out. Oh! Just asking if anyone's still there.
1: Do you guys have any garlic dipping sauce? I forgot to order some.
0: <laughs> Probably. Uh. So, Mitch sends Corey out, you know, the assistant manager, saying deal with it but warns him that if he signals for help ed's gonna be shot so if you signal for help i'm gonna kill your i'm gonna kill your employee over here so Corey goes out front and mitch still not really trusting him stays like kind of behind him like he peeks out too yeah but he doesn't really say anything he's just watching to make sure that he does what he's supposed to do now the voice from the front was richard wagner Okay. Richard was also an employee at Domino's. Okay. But he wasn't working that night. He was just friends with Corey, so he was stopping by to see him because he knew he'd be getting out of work soon. Oh. And he'd be kind of like you know allowed in the store after it was closed because right. a customer is an employee. But he walked in in plain clothes, so it looks like he's just a customer. Right. Now, he was surprised when he walked in and Corey like didn't acknowledge him like a friend. He just said. Hi, what can I get for you? Yeah. So Richard's kind of like... What's going on? What's going on with that? But he played along. He didn't say anything. Good. Oh, good. Now, Corey doesn't want to put him at risk. So he doesn't want to, like, treat him like anybody other than a stranger. But he also doesn't want to acknowledge that he's an employee there. He just says, like... I treat him like a customer. Get him in. Give him a shit. Get him out. Which... Is incredibly brave of both of them absolutely Corey, to not be like oh my god i'm terrified can you call the police or something he wouldn't risk getting them hurt right and richard for not being like hey why are you acting weird yeah so that just it worked out really in the best way that it could have so Corey keeps his head down he will not make eye contact with his good friend and kept his head down t- took his order didn't look at him and then richard sees this man in a domino's uniform that he didn't recognize as a coworker. okay so he's like oh like is there a new hire you know he's thinking but then this guy's like older and he's got a cigarette which is like a big no-no yeah of course in the policy book of you know a Food restaurant service. yeah yeah so he's like okay that's weird who is this dude right so then the phone rings And Mitch couldn't risk Corey picking it up because he's like, if he picks it up and signals anything to anybody on the phone, like in some kind of code and I don't know, then this all gets shut down. So, Mitch picks it up. Ah. And he says... Hello, this is Patrick. (laughs) I wish he did. Me too. But what he did say was Domino's Pizza, this is Mitch, how can I help you? He gave... His name. away his name what an idiot what an idiot so, so richard took the hint from Corey. that odd behavior he played along and then he left but once he left he st- was still thinking about it of course now back in the store now it was just the four of them again okay so it's cory the 21 year old manager ed the 41 year old employee mitch and ruby okay now mitch led Corey and ed to the walk-in freezer oh he bound their hands with the same rope that he bound john harrigan um, resourceful so he bound them behind their back and then looped it up to the shelf above them and pretty much wrapped it around their neck oh good, good good not a noose but like if they Choke tug them if they try to get away yeah if they tug okay. their hands at all it would tug their neck it was a whole thing and in order for them to even be able to breathe a little bit because of how tight it was they were on their tippy toes oh like they're gasping for air they're in a walk-in freezing in a walk-in freezer yeah it's probably 30 degrees in there i mean it's a freezer not a refrigerator right They can barely breathe. Their muscles are cramping up in their calves because they're trying to stand literally on their tippy toes. So I can imagine the Charlie horses are getting. Yeah. And that's just to stay, stay alive. Oh. So they're struggling to breathe. They're cold. They're in pain. And -hmm. then they're left alone. Mitchell and Ruby just yeeted out of there. Now, the situation in the store continued not to sit well with Richard. And he called the store manager and explained what happened. He's like, there was this weird guy in there. I'm sure they were like, hey, did you hire some guy that's like smoking? And not to not to rap, but the new guy fucking smokes in the back. Can you stop that? (laughs) Yeah. And he was like really jumpy and jittery and weird. So what's going on with him? Yeah. And the manager was like, ah, that doesn't really sound right. Let's go check on the store. So they go to the store oh try to figure out what's going on, but once they were there, they couldn't see anyone and they just had a bad feeling so they called 911. Good. So police arrived at the store and like Richard and ma- and the manager did found that like a seemingly empty and quiet front end that was didn't look suspicious. Right. But they were going to do their due diligence and check the whole store, so that's when they found Corey and Ed in the freezer. Oh, good. Now... I love due diligence. If Richard hadn't called 911 when he did, Corey and Ed would be dead. I bet. Because... You can't sustain that. There was no way that they were going to be able to breathe much longer. And with how cold it was, all their muscles were starting to freeze. And, like, they were getting kind of rigid and shivering. And so they were just, like, they were growing weaker by trying to stay warm. Right. And... Already couldn't breathe. So the fact that Richard took Corey's hint of not talking mm-hmm. and didn't do anything with it in the moment, but acted later, but did something later, right? Made all of the difference in the world. Oh, good. So, they obviously get them down as soon as they can. They wrap them in blankets. The police are just trying to warm them up and make sure that they're okay, make sure they can breathe. They get checked out, you know, medically and everything. But Corey told the police that the attacker had named himself when he'd answered the phone. Right. And that he said his name was Mitch. Yeah. Corey also told the police that John Harrigan never came back. So... They needed to check on him because their attackers had been wearing his clothing with his name tag still on it. Right. So he gave the police the delivery address for the last call that John had. Okay. Um. Their motel room. Yep. And so when the police got there, they found John's body. He had been hogtied with the same rope that was used oh. on Corey and Ed. Um, And it's unclear if John died from strangulation or drowning, uh, because the two pretty much happened at the same time. Buddy. So, Glendale Police contact Domino's headquarters as part of their investigation. Right. And they learn that they might be looking for the same suspects responsible for a double homicide on the other side of the country. Well... And the South Carolina investigators were relieved because there's a new lead. Yeah, absolutely. Because even though it had only been like a week or so, their case had started to grow cold. Of course. They didn't have anything they could go off of. All they knew was they were looking for this guy, but other than that, where the hell is he?
1: Right. And even if they found him, what's their case?
0: It'd be be tough. Absolutely. Because you don't have anybody that you can ask now to testify for that. The FBI had joined... The team in searching for this couple on a killing spree. Okay. And after contacting South Carolina and everything, they all sort of, you know, roundtabled this and got a photo of Mitch and I believe even Ruby. Ooh, shit. And sort of put it like in a, you know, a, a lineup photo, you know, little photo book or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had Corey look through it and just say, tell us if anybody looks like that. And he was like, yep, that's him. Nice. Like, I wouldn't forget it. That's, that's, that's that asshole. That's the bastard. So that sealed the deal. Good. On who the agencies were searching for. Now, John Harrigan's truck was missing. They couldn't find it. It wasn't at the motel. Okay. Which is where they thought it would be. So then they're like, okay, yeah, that's right. How else would they have gotten to the Domino's? Right. They stole it. So then they put out an APB for that truck. Good. And I just think as John Harrigan's family... Your son is a 21-year-old. Your he's, barely adult son. He's, hey, he's working. Yeah. And not only did they murder him in, like, a vicious way, they beat him up first, stole his money, mm. then drowned him in a bathtub. Oh. All because they wanted to, if they had just tied him up and walked away, took his truck and went and did what they wanted to do, They would have gotten away with everything and he'd be alive. And honestly, I mean,
1: at that point, it's better for them. It's better for
0: everybody else fucking involved. And there would still be a lot more living people. Like it was a mutually beneficial situation if they had done it that way and they didn't. Right. And that's what's frustrating. And not only that, they even stole his fucking truck, which, like, really grinds my gears. I don't know why, but, like, that chaps my ass. Not only did you kill him, but then you took his shit and you fucking go driving, you fucking asshole. See, and to me, the car is less of a big deal, but the fucking clothes?
1: Obviously, you didn't need to wear that fucking uniform to get into Domino's. Nope, but to make a point, he
0: did. Yeah, exactly. What's the deal? Mm Mm-hmm. It's not like she had one, too. Right. It's not bring your friend to work day. It's not bring (laughs) your fuck buddy to work day. Hey,
1: you guys got any drugs for me and my boo? It's like BYOFB.
0: Bring your own fuck buddy. TW day. (laughs) (laughs) So just just all bad. What the
1: fuck? Uh,
0: Now, their photos were plastered nationally. Good. And there was a manhunt for the couple. A manhunt, that's so hot. Now Domino's Okay. The big D. Oh I here, got the big D. Released a statement that they were offering a hundred thousand dollars reward for information related to their capture.
1: Okay, but I have like a question. Go ahead. Is that like a hundred thousand dollars in cash or like in pizza?
0: Um I'd say the cash. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right, because I was like, I'm all for pizza, but, like, I don't know that even in my lifetime I could go through $100,000 of pizza. Yeah, no, that was straight. And that feels like a (laughs) ripoff.
0: Straight dollar bills. Ooh, $100 bill.
1: Thrill. Okay.
0: So, the truck was actually located 10 days later. Okay. And it had been abandoned at a casino in Vegas. And they could see, just sitting on the seat, that John's uniform was there so it was the truck like it was the truck there was no doubt about it in vegas in vegas so after a month-long manhunt an anonymous tip led investigators to a nearby motel because they just fucking love motels apparently damn and either someone in town or an employee at the motel i couldn't figure it out but somebody who had seen them called in to say i think i just saw that couple that was
1: on the news you know on the news yeah
0: um And I saw them at this hotel, so I'm not really sure. So they were able to figure out what room they were in. Okay. And they were arrested in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hell yeah. On Christmas Eve night Ah. after having committed what was called a nationwide murder spree that also earned them the little nickname of the new Bonnie and Clyde.
1: Which is like... Which just
0: sensationalized it. And also like,
1: no yeah <laughs> oh my gosh um ah, oh, it's the act actually that's fun foreshadowing for next week Ooh. but in the act on hulu they have this weird french rendition of a song about bonnie and clyde Ooh. and it always gets stuck in my head when i think about it because like bonnie and clyde and it's like really weird but it always gets stuck there also i just mm, like, let's not sensationalize that shit. It's not cute and it's not fun. But I guess, like, joy to the world that these bitches were found.
0: But if it got people invested mm-hmm. in the case enough to watch and look out for them, because yeah. they were like, we don't know where in the world they are now. Because every true. time we find them, they're fucking- They're already gone. They yeated, So, yeah. I don't know. That's so, fair. It was actually reportedly one of the easiest arrests. They all said that they like just were like, "Yep, walking right out." Like they didn't fight, they didn't cuss, they didn't they didn't try to get away, they didn't try to hide, they didn't do anything. They just allowed themselves to be cuffed, and that was it. Now, obviously, they kept them separated. They didn't let them talk. Yeah, they searched the room. They found more of that rope. So that was like, duh. Yep. What they also found was a newspaper that they had grabbed that they had circled all the Domino's locations and things like that.
1: Ugh. Why keep it in the chain, too? It's not like a family thing. Like, keep it in the fam. No, it's like,
0: that makes it easier to catch because it's all going to one headquarters but if you're considering that there's some kind of vendetta against the corporation because in his mind everything turned to shit when he worked there i'm like really because i feel like this is a lot worse also so not not
1: to be like that guy but actually Mm. they still paid you and even when you felt like little baby deserved more money to take care of your family um you still got money and you were still able to take care of your family until you yourself decided to fuck all that up and leave so Domino's is actually kind of a charitable organization in this whole thing
0: it's just it's all really bad yeah it is bad for absolutely everybody and so much of it not so much of it all of it Mm -hmm. was needless 100 percent. Ugh, the things that people do so they were they'd even like identified their next target right they'd like circled it x marked the spot right they had gone to vegas and they were like yep we're gonna do it again on these dominoes and they were just i mean how long was this gonna go until they hit every dominoes chain so god i brought south carolina uh and california wanted mitch extradited okay but they determined that they would start in california because they could try both of them Right. Because Ruby didn't have any tie to the South Carolina case. I mean, she lived there. Hell, maybe she like told him to do it or encouraged it or knew about it or something. Right. But she wasn't there when the crimes were committed.
1: Well, and even if she got like accessory after the fact or whatever, it's not going to hold as much weight as an accomplice.
0: So they figured, no, we'll start in California because right. she was in on this. She went in. She held a knife to them. hmm She was a part of this planning. She traveled oh. there with him or she was the one that ordered the pizza. You know, all of these things that implicated her in this were so much stronger in California, so they figured they'll start here. Now, Mitch had stayed quiet. He didn't spill the beans on anything. But Ruby sang like a canary. Of course she did. She denied any role in the murders, that she was just merely along for the ride, and didn't actually participate in the crimes at all. Um, okay. The survivors, though, saw this much differently, and they got—am sure they did—they got their chance to speak in Ruby's trial. Good. And if convicted of all of the charges, Ruby was facing life in prison. Shit. So, Ruby's now twenty-one years old, and she pled not guilty, and thus her trial began in January of nineteen eighty-seven. She denied, 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 and swore up and down that she bore no part in the planning or the commission of the murder and was a bystander to it all. Now, again, we're focusing only on California here. She said that she had no idea what Mitch was planning to do. And while that even might have somewhat been true of, like, what his plans were. Right. She had ample opportunity to stop it. To interfere. Or to report it after the fact. And not to hold a knife to anybody, you fucking asshole, or to continue to run off with the same dangerous man after the fact. And so, then the survivors were like, "Uh, no, she held the knife on us. She threatened to. She threatened to kill us. She took the money. She was just as. She was every bit a part of it as he was. Right. And they were actually able to tell their stories. So this whole Damn. like, I didn't do anything at all. No, not true. Yes, you did. Yes, you did, girlfriend. Now, even if she had no role in the South Carolina murders, which I don't think she did personally.
1: Right. Doesn't um, sound that way, at least.
0: She knew that he had committed them. Right. And could have done something before John Harrigan was murdered because he kills Gary and Chris and then grabs her like they they book it. Right. She knew. Of course she did. And she could have reported it later. And she could have stopped all of this and John Harrigan would still be here. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. And he'd be in his 50s. That's not the case. John Harrigan is forever 21 years old now. That's awful. The prosecutors leaned heavily on the concept that John Harrigan was a strong, muscular guy and Mitch really wasn't and mitch likely would have struggled to subdue him on his own so not only are they saying did she commit and you know join in on the robbery part of it but she had to have had some part in john's murder but they believe that at the very least she helped tie him up or bring him to the bathroom or do some part of it because john would have been too big for mitch now i don't know if that's true even if he's too big i think if you're if someone's tied up and not going anywhere even if it takes you an hour you can move them three feet and i don't think john was like this guy who weighed so much or was so big that he was not movable right but i do see where they're leaning that it would have been a lot more difficult for mitch to have done that on his own because you can't hold a gun at somebody and tie them up at the same time and to do it quickly and efficiently like yeah she had to have played some part in that and to have kept him quiet like to have done it so quick that then people in adjoining rooms didn't you know what i'm saying right, right there's just no other way it's too smooth an operation for two hands so they believe that she helped in that part now in the trial her attorneys did not include anything about her childhood nothing about her parents substance use nothing about the abuse none of that right which we'll talk a little bit more about later okay but it may have offered not a justification, but an explanation right. as to why she clung to Mitch the way that she did. Right. But after deliberating for six days, the jury found her guilty okay. of first-degree murder and armed robbery. Damn, a- six days? And acquitted her of the other two attempted murder charges because um, there wasn't enough proof of that. Nice. Okay. Now... She, They were pretty much looking at it like she wasn't the one with the grudge. Mm-hmm. She was not the one with the rage toward the company that Mitch had. Um, she helped she, more than she should have. She wasn't the leader. She was lonely right. and she found someone equally lonely. Ugh, that's so sad. So now we get to Mitch's trial. Okay. It's March 10th, 1987, and it's been two months since Ruby's trial. Okay. Prosecution... I don't mean painted the picture, but told the story as he's an angry evil man who wanted revenge on the company, Sure. and then accidentally discovered that he enjoyed killing more than he anticipated, that he felt wronged for the way that he was treated and that people needed to pay for that because he was owed so much. And they also said that the degree of preparation he took to lure an innocent young man to his death and the manner of beating him, binding him, and drowning him was so callous that there was no explanation for it other than premeditated murder
1: it wasn't it wasn't
0: to just leave john and then go rob you know what i'm saying like easier to show up in uniform not be looked at twice maybe right but that was not the case and it wasn't lost on anyone that if the goal was only to make money that john could have been tied up for days and even though that would have been awful and really sad he'd be alive right so john could have been spared and he wasn't Ugh. now mitch's defense team denies the concept that this was to get revenge against the company instead they just said that the dominoes were robbery targets because he knew how the stores worked and operated, and it was easier for him to take from them than it was to take from another place all right, I mean, I could see both sides por no los dos they also said that John Harrigan's death was an accident, and they, oh. and they said that because they couldn't determine cause of death, whether it was strangulation or drowning that he probably might have, like, bumped his head and then, like, wasn't holding his head up enough to not strangle himself with the rope and then maybe he like fell asleep in the tub like like all like they tried to paint a picture that was absolutely impossible and everyone saw through it
1: but they, okay because i was gonna say that's fucking ridiculous <laughs> we all are on the same page there yeah they were
0: like oh he slipped and hit his head while in the bathroom and while it's like hog
1: tied with a fucking how did he sock don't you, shaped
0: in his mouth wouldn't you have to be able to move on your own to slip on your own this was no slip and fall the guy's fucking hog tied and drowned go fuck okay. yourself go um, fuck yourself.
1: I'd say maybe congrats that they couldn't figure out that it was solely your you know drowning and or suffocating that did it because there's plausible deniability as to which killed him, but you were responsible for
0: either and both of those. Like <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Okay. Luckily, the jury saw through this bullshit. Good. And on May 20th, 1987, Mitch Sims was found guilty on all charges.
1: Hell yeah. He
0: was sentenced to death.
1: Damn. Which oh, they're cali- not Which in
0: California is pretty rare. Yeah. Then he was extradited to South Carolina. Oh my God, this isn't even South Carolina. Put on trial there. Okay. Found guilty again and sentenced to death. Twice? Twice. Twice. Shit. Yeah. Today he's still on death row of course he is still fucking alive and there's a push for that to be moved forward because i don't know i forget if california still has the death penalty they might have like over like gone back on it but at the time they had it and he was sentenced to death so maybe if california won't do it they'll send him to south carolina to do it if they still have it or something but regardless he's still incarcerated and still breathing well and i googled a
1: picture of him I'm not going to lie. He he looks like a man who would um find a career at a Domino's.
0: He gives... No judgment. He gives Charles Manson vibes. Kind of, yeah. It's, like a taller... Like a, just a bigger Charles Manson. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Now, as for Ruby. Yes. Ruby is still in prison. Okay. And I found this big article on change.org okay. because there's a petition to free her okay so I included a lot of what they wrote here because I I don't know I want to hear from our listeners whether they believe she should be released or not oh yeah let us know guys so I'm gonna read it to you do it it says quote Ruby Paget is a 53 year old incarcerated survivor of childhood abuse and neglect She was sentenced to life without parole at the age of 20 for her participation in the robbery and murder of her victim. She has been incarcerated for a total of 33 years. Now, this has been, this is dated. This is a few years old. It's actually 36 years now. Okay. While Ruby agreed to participate in the robbery, she was unable to stop the murder from occurring because she was too weak to stand up her co-defendant slash abuser. She describes herself as indifferent to harm at this time and thus contributing to the loss of an innocent life. It goes on to say that Ruby is no longer the traumatized teenager who escaped a severely violent home through substance use or abusive relationships. She is now a 53-year-old woman who takes full responsibility for her actions that contributed to the death of her victim. And then Ruby's quoted as saying, Agreeing to participate in the robbery was my worst decision this crime left a promising young man dead and others traumatized it took me a few years to see that my terrible choices had destroyed a family's life i've come to see that my choices altered so many people's lives due to my own recklessness and indifference while i can say that i'm sorry to truly make amends for it i try my best to give of myself not just monetarily but by listening bettering myself and those around me with my experiences then it goes on about her. It says Ruby has dedicated herself to her full rehabilitation. She has been disciplinary free for 22 years and has maintained her sobriety for 26 years. Damn. She participates in many self-help workshops and support groups to further understand the choices she made that led to her involvement. And to date, again, she has served 36 years in prison. Also, if I, if I may. Um, you may. I'll allow it. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm.
1: When I look up Mitch, right, mm-hmm. he is seemingly unremorseful in any photo that I see. Mm-hmm. He does, I mean, he doesn't particularly—he doesn't look particularly overjoyed. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but he doesn't seem upset about anything. He's just kind of like going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, in her, there's a photo. If you look up Ruby Paget and. When it's her in custody with the cuffs on, I mean, she just looks sad. Like, she kind of looks defeated. But if you look her up today, she just looks... She's like, kind of... It looks like she's proud of herself. Like, she's come a long way. I don't buy it. You don't buy it at all? No. Damn. I don't know. She could either look... She looks proud... And I'd like to believe that's of herself for coming a long way. But maybe it's because she thinks she's getting away with something. All I know is that when I was 19, I did a lot of dumb shit. I mean, granted, none of that dumb shit was illegal or, I don't know, robbing or killing or hurting people physically. I, I probably put people through some emotional
0: pain, but nothing. I think everyone can be a shithead at 19. Yeah. But even being a shithead, you don't need to be a murdering shithead. Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: And that's where that ends for me. You inflicted a life sentence on John Harrigan. Yeah. You made it past 21 and he didn't.
1: I will say, I do hope she thinks about that every fucking day.
0: I mean, I could be wrong. And again, I'd love to hear other people's opinions on it because I think these are always the like thought-provoking things. Some people are like, condemn them, lock them away, throw away the key. I don't feel like that most of the time. In this case, I'm torn, but that like apology script there looks very much like, yes, I know I've done very bad and I've spent a long time thinking of how I've been bad and how I've done lots of bad things and that was bad, but now I'm good and I think I can only be good. If I can just continue to be good. And I'm like, <laughs> don't just regurgitate the same shit. You're like throwing up and eating it and then throwing up and eating <laughs> it. It's just gross. And to say that, like, while I try to give of myself, not just monetarily, I'm like, yeah, because with what money, bitch? You like selling ramen? Come on. Fair. Um, I guess my take on it
1: is it's been 36 years. I think that's a significant portion of time and you know whether or not we want to debate this it's hard to be a convicted felon and Mm -hmm. out there trying to find a job and the little sadistic part of me doesn't mind that if she gets out it's gonna be kind of a struggle and frankly this is maybe my most quote-unquote like toxic trait with this stuff. But, like, I don't really want to pay for her to sit there. I know. Especially, I mean, if she is participating in some sort of, like, classes, that's great. But how much more can you learn from self-help classes after 30-some years? I
0: also think it's interesting to say... She's 26 years sober or 36 years in prison? That's exactly what I was going to say. So, for 10 years, you were still doing drugs or drinking or whatever, and, like that's and that's not to say that there aren't reasons and i'm i'm not i'm not making comment about addiction it's a very complex issue and we don't even have enough time in a day to talk about yeah all of the very complex things that go with that but but also like prison hooch ain't that good (laughs) but like (laughs) sorry trying to highlight something where simple math is like Okay, but a third of the time you were there, you were still doing the same shit. So don't act like you got there and change, like, you know what I'm saying? I know change doesn't happen overnight, but it didn't even happen 33% of the way in.
1: Yeah. This, getting sent to prison was not a wake-up call. No. And that's obvious. But, yeah, I wouldn't mind if she has to struggle to uh, pay for her own bills instead of us struggling to pay for her bills. You know? I think that. Us as the, uh, taxpayers, you know, uh, capital U. Mm -hmm. Yeah taxpayers
0: i think also i was reading underneath the article article that has Mm -hmm. the petition to free her and so many other people were like yeah all of you that want to free her would change your mind right quick if that were your family member that were killed by her oh absolutely just because this doesn't impact you doesn't mean you should like be all let's get her out of there
1: well and also frankly like I can say whatever I want to right now. What she had was a scripted released apology. And don't don't get me wrong. I accept an apology. I think that any apology is better than no apology. Mm -hmm. But I would be very curious to see what those meetings looked like to see if she would be eligible for parole.
0: I guess I can look at both sides of it. Yeah. And I'm torn. So I can't say that I would go to bat on either end because I could defend both sides oh same but to say oh come on hasn't she done enough let her out it's like no it's not that simple yeah and just because she did that yeah well she was sentenced to life so i mean that's not come on now granted mitch doesn't have it so bad his ex-wife well i guess no i think she's still married to him teresa oh gosh would bring the children to like she found god She brought them to church. The kids are doing very well. One of them is like a pastor and everything. Good for him. He's like, you know, you know, my dad as this evil person, but I knew him better when he like he was a better person when he was incarcerated. Yeah. And now he's an adult and has his kids and I don't know, preaches forgiveness. And like it, it had such a profound effect on them because with him out of the picture, Teresa knew that her kids needed guidance and needed help needed help but needed other adults pro-social adults around them that wasn't just her and men like strong you know like father figures and they fell into the church and like uh, the other like people stepped up and took on an active role in the kids lives so that they would have people that they could depend on that they hadn't had before
1: Well, and that's why, not to be an incredible criminal justice nerd here, but like when we talk about the other societal nets that can catch you, that's why church is one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got your community, your church, your school, all of those things. And that's why good people in those places are so fucking important because those kids needed someone and she actually knew and was able to utilize a place where she could bring that positive pro-social behavior to them.
0: And so those kids grew up visiting their dad in prison knowing that he was this murderer right and who had run away with this other woman and chose everything under the sun other than them made amends and i'm sure with a lot of resentment put aside and all of those things to be able to have a functioning though flawed relationship with their dad and then you look at ruby and she was only 19 at the time she doesn't have she wasn't right. married she didn't have kids she didn't have any of that so Had her no life has been in prison i mean she ran away from home when she was a kid met him as a kid met him as a you know as to, i mean at, legally an adult but yes 19 everyone's a shithead at 19 yep and if you didn't make a lot of mistakes and treat people poorly at 19 might be doing it now. like it's you know or you don't think you did right you're probably still doing it yeah so you know you have to get some of that assholery out of your system and i understand that
1: my parents call it getting the stupids out
0: that's a more pc way to put that yeah but Um, i like assholery it's a great word thank you yeah just made it up no just kidding i think you got it from me (laughs) (laughs) um but i think Probably. I mean, we share the same brain cells. Did you think that one wouldn't bounce off mine? No. Um, We've been
1: doing it all day today.
0: We really have. But I think that it's kind of a very bleak existence for Ruby.
1: absolutely.
0: But other people can have that same upbringing. Traumatic, absolutely horrible. Did she d- deserve it? No. And did adults fail her? Absolutely. But when she became an adult, she still failed her.
1: Well, and I guess my take on it is, I couldn't, I couldn't sit here and like confidently tell you either way that I cared a hundred percent if she stayed or if she went. I think there is a in my unicorns shitting rainbow world. I think there is a world in which you can accept an apology and forgiveness more for yourself than the other person and still hold them accountable what that looks like for her I don't know Um, there's a reason I don't sit on those boards to see who's eligible for parole and it's because I could hem and haw all fucking day Mm -hmm. like I believe she should be accountable I know that a jury found her guilty Mm -hmm. me personally which this is not the question don't know that I find sufficient evidence beyond a reasonable doubt for that murder Do I have an inclination? Yeah, pretty sure. But like, is there anything solidifying that for me? Not currently. And if she says she's doing okay, and if she genuinely has done her part in what she can do while incarcerated, maybe it's time to see. Maybe it's time to see if she has anything at all fucking in her wherewithal to give back to society. And I guess it's kind of where my brain goes is like maybe this is the only time she'll ever have to give back because the selfish part of me, the part of me that is fiscally responsible says we pay for her every fucking day. We pay for her meals, her house, her health insurance, clothing, everything. All that
0: programming that she's talking about. Yep. Exactly.
1: And it's not free. Yep. As taxpayers, we do that. And so to me, it's like, okay, well, maybe if you can get through all that and fucking fix yourself here, maybe you can start to pay back what you've taken. You're you're probably not going to touch it, but maybe you can start. Mm -hmm. The other part of me is like, well, damn, maybe she gets out and three days later, she's doing
0: the same shit. Yeah. And then you, I think what all of these conversations come down to is what do we view as unforgivable? Right. And what do we view as forgivable? Or who? how do we determine redeemable? Is there redemption? Is there what is an appropriate time? What's an appropriate time for taking a life? What's an appropriate time for taking several lives? Right. What does that look like? At what point do we cross over to cruel and unusual punishment? At what point do we realize that the means that it takes to take care of her outweigh the cost of you know what she g- you know what I'm saying right. like th- there's all of these other conversations that spark from this one that I think are important to have and i agree with yeah if my tax dollars are going to pay for her but at the same time you have to think okay but well, but some people we're better off if they're not out oh and in- determining is she one of those people And is she one of those people today? Exactly. And
1: I think that that's the hard part, especially when there's no life before that, right? Like at least with Mitch, we can say, okay, when he tried, when he really tried, he almost got there. He had a family. He had kids. He had a wife. He had a job. Granted, obviously, we saw where all that went, Mm. but we saw what happened when he tried and he could. And so maybe that makes his redemption story with his family a little bit easier. They said, okay, we knew you were trying. We saw what happened, what you're capable of on both ends, good and bad.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And because of that, and we know you anyway, we love you just as much. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know that I could say that about someone who killed three people. But he's not my dad, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: and I never knew the depth of the good of what he did, because we obviously didn't sit for an hour and a half talking about, like, how much he loved his kids and gave him kisses on Christmas.
0: Mm-mm.
1: We're talking about all the shit he did because he obviously also has a substance use problem. Whether and or not it's a disorder, I don't know. But
0: Severe mental health and severe everything else. And I understand,
1: once again, you feel bad for the kid. But once you can make your own choices and once you understand that there's something to fix, it's your fucking responsibility to fix. And I don't know where I go with that. It's it's really hard.
0: I know. That's why I would love to hear from our listeners. Yeah. Because I feel like we... Could go on about it for hours, but I could just go round and round and round. Well, if you look at it this way. But if you look at it this way. And then on the flip of that, you'd see. But then in the other hand. And then if you look over here. (laughs) And if we all look under our chairs, (gasps) that was...
1: (laughs) But Ugh. seriously, check out our Instagram. If you guys were wondering, that's about time for true crime pod with periods in between every words. So that's A-B-O-U-T period T-I-M-E period F-O-R period T-R-U-E period C-R-I-M-E period P-O-D because podcast was too long. But I'm saying all of that because if you look at our little Instagram story, we might just have a little poll or a place for you to let us know. And if not, send us a DM and tell us. We want to know. Because like even if you go and even if we did do that and it just like was 24 hours later, it won't show up. So DM us. We want to know if you wanted to like email us with maybe like a full synopsis and like case law cited or something like that. If you really feel like getting into it Um, or just send your pod pets because we love them and they're super cute and they're fuzzy, wuzzy, little babies. (laughs) You could do that at our email. But Ali,
0: where would they email us? If you wanted to email us. You would do that at about time, the number four, tc at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four, tc at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, get your pod pets, your opinions, your feedback, all that good, good. And we'd also really like if you shared and downloaded and told a friend and a family member and maybe- Give that good, good rating. Throw that in your group chat. Oh, maybe like put a little review on Apple. We'd love it. We love them. Uh, Yes, I we, would. I would cheek kiss everybody who uh, has done that. So consensually. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you don't want it, that's not
1: for you. Then it's okay. But if you do, there you go. Um, What a day to be alive. Thank you for sharing this one. This was disturbing and thought provoking.
0: Thank you. I love doing that
1: yeah I love being well.
0: both disturbing and thought-provoking
1: before we totally wrap up I'm just gonna dangle this here for you guys yeah. next week is either going to be very long or a two-parter Ooh. and I've already foreshadowed the case in which I'll be covering
0: so. so yeah stick that in your juice box and suck it suck it let's blow this popsicle stand <laughs> All right. <If> I look <laughs> at my watch that was oh. about time oh. for oh. true crime oh. Bye! Bye. Oh my god! (laughs) Later.